You're listening to Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am excellent. What can I help you with today? So I was wondering, you know, I am about to retake my MCAT. And so besides retaking, what can I do when my official MCAT score that I got in July is very different from the practice scores that I was receiving before that? In in terms of what? In in terms of, I'm not sure I understand the question. I guess what I'm wondering is, when you take your MCAT, right? Like your mm-hmm. practice exam should show you how you're going to do. Ideally. Well, ideally. Yeah. But something on test day doesn't go as planned. So whenever you are preparing for that retake, I guess, do you have any advice to actually make, you know, what your practice exams look like actually happen, like come into fruition? Yeah. I, I think number one, the, the first question is always, were the practice tests taken in testing in a like true testing environment, meaning the 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 time length was seven and a half hours. You were taking all of the normal mandated breaks. And what was that all up to par? Or were you like doing a section here, a section there, taking a day off? What what did that look like? At the beginning, it was definitely more uh, laissez-faire, you know, I just kind of was sporadically doing everything and taking breaks in between. And then I kind of didn't know whether or not I was going to receive my accommodations. So then I was practicing under my, you know, ideal accommodations time. Mm -hmm. But then as I was realizing that I probably wasn't going to get the accommodations that I actually needed, I started practicing, I guess, uh, more along the lines that I needed to be practicing, but that wasn't until probably two or three months before my real exam. Okay. Which is still a lot of practice exams. Um, I probably took six or seven in between that time, Okay. but, uh, it was, I think practicing with the mask was something that I didn't do early on or even until probably as close to my exam, probably a month out. Yeah. And so that, I definitely think affected me more. And then uh, I also realized I talk to myself whenever I'm taking exams. And so I don't think I noticed that until the day of the exam. Like it didn't occur to me. So Interesting. <laughs> yeah, like not loudly. It's usually just like, oh, like under my breath, like, well, but you can't do that during the real exam. So yeah. Interesting. Okay. So a couple, a couple instances for your retake. Are you going to get the accommodations that you need? Yes. I'm so excited. (laughs) So, so that number one will make a huge difference. Uh, double AMC is notoriously hard to get accommodations. So uh, I'm glad you got the accommodations you need. So that alone should make a huge difference to take the test in the environment that, that you will need. Uh, the other thing is that there are some people that just have bad test anxiety. And for some reason, the practice tests, and not for some reason, it seems pretty obvious, right? The practice tests don't trigger that anxiety because there's there's no consequence to doing bad in a practice test other than a bruised ego. But on a real MCAT exam, like that's make or break, at least that's what you tell yourself 
and your anxiety spikes and then you go into the tests and you do much, much worse than your practice exams because of that test anxiety. Do you, do you think you have a little bit of test anxiety that goes along with everything? Yes, uh, pretty severe. Um, I felt oddly calm on my test day, but I think that was what my test anxiety does for me um, is make me feel calm and like secure, but I'm not. So I was low key, just freaking out about everything. Um, and CP is my worst section. And of course we start with CP. So, uh, it was kind of, I guess, all downhill from there, but I do agree that like for my practice exams, I don't have that like fear when I'm taking them. And so I can just be there. Um, I was actually telling someone the other day, like, I wish we could just take it online, like how the LSAT is being taken right now. It's uh, a little unfair because I feel like it would get rid of some of that uh, testing anxiety, at least for me, just to be in the same exact place where I've been taking my exams for months now. You know? Yeah. Yeah. There, there's no reason, no excuses for why the AMC hasn't moved the test online at this point. Uh, 18, 19 months into this pandemic with a fourth wave going on, it is, it's atrocious that they haven't put any effort into, uh, at least publicly, letting, letting anyone know that they're going to move it online. There, there's no, um, there's no uh, kind of inkling that that's going to happen. So shame on them. Uh, but it sounds like you've learned from your first time practicing with a mask. I, I was saying it way back in March of 2020. It was like, you should be taking your full lengths in masks because that's what's going to happen <laughs> it, for the real test. You're going to have to take it with a mask. I, I guarantee it. So, uh, and here we are again, 18, 19 months later, uh, we're still taking tests in masks. So mm-hmm. definitely taking a test in mask. It's, it's obviously not a decreased oxygen situation or anything like that. It's just an annoyance, right? You just have this thing on your mouth. And if you wear glasses, your glasses will fog up and just making sure you get the right environment to wear you can you can prevent that and and everything else so um, from that angle you're set from a accommodations angle you're set it sounds like you understand that full-length exams are key to understanding how the MCAT works doing practice questions so from that angle it sounds like you're set so really I don't think there's much you need to do other than understand that if you were doing well on the full lengths to begin with, but your real test didn't reflect that, it's not a reflection of how well you can do on the MCAT. It's a reflection of that was just a bad test day. Number one, not getting the accommodations you need. And number two, just again, the test anxiety just rearing its head because that was your real test. Was that your first test? Your first real test was that last one? So it makes sense. Now, where I want you to be careful with is going into the test again, those with test anxiety will typically have worse anxiety going into a second, third, fourth test because you're putting more pressure on yourself, saying, I have to do well on this one or else. If I don't do well on this one, then, right? And and you're, you tell yourself these worst case situations, these worst case scenarios of, if I don't do well here, I'll never get into medical school. If I don't do well here, then I'll never be able to do well in the MCAT. And and all of that is just a lie because you can take the MCAT again and again, right? Three times a year, four times in two years, and seven times total. 
hopefully, I pray that you only have to take it twice. Um, and, and that's okay. So that's just something that you can be working on today is just meditation, mindfulness kind of stuff to, to calm your mind going into your second exam to prevent any sort of anxiety coming up and, and, and ruining all of the prep that you've been doing up until this point. Yeah, that's great advice. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So the the question that I have for you is you said chem phys is your worst exam. Why do you or worst section? Why do you think it's your worst section? Um well besides the scores being lower. <laughs> besides the scores being lower, I tend to just have a really tough time with math. I actually have diagnosed dyscalculia, which is a math disorder. Um so it just automatically kind of is harder for me to understand okay. but there's there's no math on the mcat there well, is math but there's no math there is but there isn't there uh, is but there so isn't it's like when i see numbers they just scare me exactly uh, so again that gets into this mindfulness kind of meditation stuff you need to disassociate seeing numbers with math anxiety because the mcat is not going to expect you to do complex math without a calculator. Leia Versai has a really good series, if you haven't watched it, all about math for the MCAT. And, and it's really just a ton of shortcuts of how to do math on the MCAT without doing math, right? And so you, you need to understand from, from a math standpoint, math should not hold you back, period. It's, it's not a math test. There are numbers and they expect you to, to be able to know how to move decimals when mm-hmm. converting units. But beyond that, there's, there's, there's no math. Yeah. It, there's the appearance of math, but the MCAT is a reading comprehension and analysis test, not a math test. Yeah, I agree. I do need to like get that anxiety under control a little bit because I think that's uh, definitely holding me back for okay. sure. Do, do you think that's the biggest issue for Kempis for you? Yes. Um, I'm pretty good with the concepts and just the general ideas and applying them, but it's usually as soon as I see a number, it's like, just that's it. Yeah. Um, like my latest practice exam only, I only ever had like questions where the answers were, you know, A is 2.5, B is 3.5 and like stuff like that. Well, all of those answers were wrong, <laughs> so, yeah. but everything else was fine. So that's usually the issue with uh, Kempis. Yeah. So I I would try again if you haven't watched the Leia for Sci series, I would about math for the MCAT, and then potentially talking to a, a math tutor or something else to not teach you math, but to teach you the tricks for the MCAT for math. If if you need a little bit more handholding with that part of it. Because again, it's it's not a math test. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. What else? Well, I was wondering if, so I guess this kind of goes off of my last question, but I'm filling out secondaries right now. And a lot of them give you the opportunity to be like, hey, did something happen or go wrong? Yep. You know, let us know. Um, so I was wondering, can I kind of explain pretty quickly. Usually it's not very many characters, but can I explain about needing to retake my MCAT just because 
of uh, not having the correct accommodations and now I have them and that's pretty much the basis of it or will that kind of bite me in the butt if for some reason it happens again. Yeah. So, so there's a couple things to think about. Number one, if it happens again, then what's your excuse? Uh, but, but before that, previously a few years ago, the AAMC would put an asterisk next to test scores where students were taking a test in non-standard conditions. They were calling out students saying, telling the medical schools, this student took the MCAT in non-standard conditions, buyer beware, right? Obviously, from an ADA perspective, that's a big no-no. That's an issue. And so the MCAT now, the AAMC, does not differentiate on the score if if someone took it under standard or non-standard conditions, rightfully so. And so what you would be doing is disclosing that yourself. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's a good idea. Because medical schools will then see that and go, well, I don't want to have to deal with accommodations for this student. Therefore, I don't want to to bother because it's just, it's a pain in the butt. And it is, right? It's a hassle for them, uh, a hassle that they need to put up with. Uh, It's a hassle for them when giving a test, if you are going to request accommodations in medical school, which they have to ask if you want accommodations and then you provide the the. Uh, proof that you need accommodations, and then they have to uh, uh, provide accommodations, right? Um, it is a pain for them because typically they'll they'll have uh, proctors in a big room for the the far majority of students, and then for the one-off students who need accommodations, they have to find different resources in different buildings, in different rooms, in different proctors, and and all these other things that become an issue. And and I know very anecdotally, one student at a school who has just had the worst time in the world dealing with his medical school and and dealing with accommodations and, and needing to get lawyers involved and the school threatening to kick him out. And, and it's just a, just a pain. And if a school can go, oh, thanks for letting us know you need accommodations. No, thank you. Unfortunately, they can do that under the guise of, oh, your MCAT score is not good enough. Oh, your GPA is not good enough. Oh, we just don't like your story. Oh, you're not a fit without saying, hey, we're, we're violating ADA rules here and, and we're going to reject you because you need accommodations. So I would be very careful calling out the accommodation aspect of it. Now, if you said my practice scores were here on my test day, something happened right? Whatever that is. And unfortunately, I didn't perform up to my best and I'm going to retake it. You can do that without calling out the need for accommodations. I still wouldn't do that. I, I don't think you need to. There there are enough students out there who, shocking, don't do well on the MCAT first time around, right? So I don't think it's an issue. Do better on the second test, apply, and and, and I think you'll you'll be better. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Um, can I ask one more question? Sure. Um, so I am currently, you know, located in Texas, but I'm not from Texas, um, for my master's program. So I was kind of wondering my dream school is in Texas and I've kind of known for a while, like I wanted to be here and I wanted to hopefully become a physician here. But since I'm counted as an out of state student, things are kind of just stacked against me already. 
Um, so mm. I was Oh. Why don't you transfer your residency if you're living in Texas? Um, I'm hoping to do that. But how long uh, have you been in Texas now? About a month. Okay. So, Only a month. Yeah. Yeah. I know I have to wait a while. I'm, you know, like I said, I'm currently in my application cycle, so I know it wouldn't be able to happen now. But if why I not? Wait, um, I thought you had to live here for like a year. And like, I don't know if things really count when you're in a master's program, because I read somewhere if you if you're trying to get residency because of school, like it doesn't count. And yep. so so you have to you have to go to Texas to their state laws to find out um, how to gain residency in that state, what the requirements are. Education historically has been uh, to prevent a student from needing to change the residency, but it usually doesn't prevent you if you want to change your residency. So just double check what the state of Texas says, because every state has different laws in terms of residency status. For in-state residency for your current application cycle, yes, you're going to be likely considered an out-of-state applicant, uh, which makes it harder to get into a a Texas school. But in, in the event that you need to reapply and you still want to go to that school, like set all that stuff up now. Yeah. Okay, cool. So as long as it's not, uh, I guess too late, that works out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was just wondering, I guess, overall how to be a good out of state candidate, you know, especially since I'm already applied. Yeah. Stats. Stats are really uh, what make or break out-of-state applications, unfortunately, for Texas. Um, stats, and and because uh, I'm really good friends with the TMD SAS people, I believe it's clinical experience. Lots of clinical experience and good stats. Okay. Well, I got one of those things. <laughs> one one of three. Um, well, stats, MCAT, GPA. Do you have the GPA? Uh, I worked really hard to get it up. Uh, I was coming from a low point of like a 2.4 and okay. ended up with a 3.3 nice. at graduation. But uh, you, the trend is just whoop, like yeah, good. <laughs> the uh, epitome of uh, a trend. Nice. But I am just hoping my MCAT can really show off my uh, skills, I guess, or, yeah. you know. I have odd feelings about the MCAT, but we, we don't have to go into all of that. Yeah. All right. So, well, what are you doing differently MCAT prep wise this time around? So in practicing, uh, with now the accommodations that I have, so I now have, uh, timed accommodations. Mm-hmm. So, I'll, um, and also I guess, uh, breaks, I have a calculator and, um, I have like a private room now, so I can, it literally says on my accommodations that I can talk to myself. Um, <laughs> so that was really um, a kind of life-changing for me, I think, uh, seeing that. So I'm really excited and I've been taking my practice exams like that. Okay. Um, and I also feel like, you know, since I've been kind of busy, I haven't been able to um, practice as often, but um, I... Um, having, I guess, I don't know. I haven't been able to practice as often because of starting my master's, but I've been wanting to make sure that whenever I do practice, I practice well. 
So I've just spending instead of like all day studying, I'm just spending like little spurts of time. Mm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, fingers crossed uh, that you do well. If you need some more full-length exams, Blueprint MCAT has fabulous uh, uh, full-length exams. I know there's some potential of you doing a Blueprint course. We're working on that to uh, to see if we can get you there. But fingers crossed. Good luck on your retake and and uh, get get a little mindfulness and, and Zen going before the exam to uh, to to stave off those calculator uh, and, and math um, jitters. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. You are welcome. Thank you so much for joining me here on Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. Did you know that we record these live on Facebook at 3 p.m. Eastern on most weekdays? Search for Medical School HQ on Facebook and like the page to be notified. Don't forget to check out our amazing Facebook group, The Hangout, at medicalschoolhq.net slash group. 